Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7, one verse in reading this morning says, For as he thinketh, why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and say, thinketh. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. If I may for about a moment, the message version reads this way. He'll be as stingy with you as he is with himself. He'll say, eat. Drink, but won't meet a word of it. I want to do some teaching this morning. I feel like the Lord has just laid a stage for us in His presence right now. On this subject, one word. I think this is the foundation to good, clear Christian principles. You've often heard me, I know our young people have, but I often make the statement, choices matter. And I do not intentionally operate in redundancy, but it's a clear statement. And I, want to, I want to talk to us this morning on this subject, think. Think. Because what you think matters. Let's lift our hands one more time to the Lord and ask Him to help us today. God, mighty God in Christ, we love you. We are grateful, Lord. We are grateful, Lord, for your presence. Holy Ghost, have your divine way. Move on us today by the Spirit of the living God. Help our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. It's a courtesy and not a command. Think. Everybody shout, think. I think there would be a lot uh, fewer problems in this world if some people would just think. Have you ever done something and afterwards thought, man, I didn't think that through very well? Have you ever said something and then afterwards you're like, whoa, I wish I'd have thought about that first? And then it was too late. Think, capital T-H-I-N-K. Thomas Watson, the founder of IBM began using the word THINK in capital letters to motivate and inspire his staff long before IBM's inception. As a matter of fact, IBM's very first U.S. trademark was for the name THINK. Before any trademarks on computer equipment or programming, the word THINK became filed in, on June 6th of 1935 as a trademark of IBM. It was filed 14 years before the company filed for a U.S. trademark on the name IBM. A biographical article in 1940 noted that this word is on the most conspicuous wall of every room in the IBM building. Each employee carries a think notebook in which they are to record inspirations. 
The company stationery, its matches, its scratch pads, all bear the word think. It publishes a monthly magazine for its employees titled, guess what? Think. It remains still today a part of their corporate culture. It was the inspiration behind naming their most successful notebook computer, the IBM ThinkPad. In 2008, they had what was referred to as the IBM Mid-America Employees Federal Credit Union, and they changed their name to the Think Mutual Bank. To think was something that Thomas Watson really believed in. He invested much time and much resource in his company and its employees to promote the action of thinking. If you must understand something today, thinking doesn't happen by accident. Right living don't happen by accident. Uh, if you're walking through life and, and you think that because you've got salvation that you can just walk haphazardly through life and that good things are going to happen, you're wrong. Right life and right living doesn't happen by accident. It requires choices. It requires an action from you. It requires some decisions from you to say, I will not do this, and I will do this. As a matter of fact, I was thinking driving down the road the other day, it was a short drive. But nonetheless, my ticker was going. And I was thinking about how we often focus, and it seems to be our human nature, we often focus on all those things in those choices of things that we don't do. Now, I'm not taking away from the relevance of things that we don't do because there are certain things and guidelines and principles I believe the Word of God has established for us that are fences. And I want Jesus to be a fence all around me today. And I want to be protected from those things that I don't need to be a part of. But just as important as the negatives and just as important as the things that we should not do, there's a whole host of things that we should do that are equally, if perhaps not even greater, important than the things that we should not do. So my, my, my principal point this morning is we ought not as Christians today as the people of God focus simply on those things that we shouldn't do. It would be easy to get into the rut today of coming to church and saying, well, I don't do thus and so. I don't need to name all the stuff. You've got the list already. I, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this. But the question remains, what are you doing? Because if we're just simply going through life proud about the things that we don't do and we're not actively participating in things that we should be doing, we're still not fulfilling the will of God for our life. God's got a call for you. God's got something for you to do in the kingdom. And for us to just skirt through life and say, well, the Lord, I, I didn't cuss. I didn't do this. I didn't drink. I said I wasn't going to go through the list, didn't I? I, I? I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't do this. I don't listen to this. But what are you doing? There are clear choices and decisions that, yes, we must make. And our choices, Brother Terry McGee, they matter every day of our life for the things that we should not do. But we've also got to be making right choices to say, God, yes, I'm going.
to worship you. Yes, I'm going to go to the house of God. Yes, I'm going to live for you. Yes, I'm going to have faith. Yes, I'm going to believe in you. Yes, I'm going to believe in you for my healing. Yes, I'm going to pay tithes. Yes, I'm going to give an offering. Yes, I'm going to clap my hands. Yes, I'm going to live for God. There are clear choices we must make to things we must be doing. Smack your neighbor a high five this morning and tell him, think about it. It's not good enough just to say I don't do this. As a matter of fact, if we could draw a New Testament parallel to that this morning, to simply say, I don't do this, and I don't do that, we are carefully bordering on the line of self-righteousness. We are flirting with the attitude of the Pharisee, who because he attends church every Sunday and says, I don't do this, thinks he's saved. James said, be you not only a hearer of the word, but a doer. To do something requires an action. The word think means to have a conscious mind. To some extent of reasoning, remembering experiences, to make rational decisions. To employ one's mind rationally and objectively in evaluating with a given situation. When you're faced with temptation, you have to think. To have a certain thing as the subject of one's thoughts. Woo! What was it the Apostle Paul said? Let this mind be in you. We would make a lot better choices sometimes if we would let that mind be in us. That was also in Christ Jesus. We would walk not after the flesh more often. And we would walk more after the Spirit more often. If when we're not in the house of God... Somebody hear me this morning. If when we're not in the house of God, we could learn to walk in the mind of Christ. Our Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, should not be restricted to Sunday morning and Sunday night. As a matter of fact, you cannot rightfully gauge your Christianity because you come to church. We gauge our Christianity. If you want a thermometer on your Christianity today, it's who you are at work. It's who you are in the grocery store. Amen. It's who you are when you're outside this building. It's who you are when you're walking Market Street and you're in McDonald's on a Sunday night after church. It's who you are when you're in the restaurants, in the sidewalks, in the businesses of local people. To think is to call something to one's mind. 
To think is to consider something as a possible action or choice. Every aspect of our life is filled with demands. It's filled with job. It's filled with family. It's filled with church. It's filled with cars breaking down. It's filled with garage doors falling off. It's filled with trees crashing in on part of your house. It's filled with tornado threats. It's filled with earthquakes. It's filled with war. It's filled with children who are sick. It's filled with parents who are sick. We're consumed. Our thoughts are consumed with so many things. And our minds get cluttered so sometimes where that it's just so difficult to think. That's why we have to get in the presence of God. There are some times that I just can't feel like I can see straight. My mind is so cluttered. But when I get into the presence of God and I start worshiping the name of the Lord, something happens that the fog begins to lift. The clutter becomes a little clearer. And I begin to see, see more clearly the things that God has established for my life. I, I was, uh, yesterday we had a birthday party for Alex and my parents were up for a brief span of visit and my mom told me a story. My, my dad's older sister, my aunt, she is in her upper 70s. She was an incredibly intelligent woman, but over the last uh, six or seven years or so has just become completely ravaged with Alzheimer's. Uh, she is to the point now where that uh, she generally cannot feed herself. Uh, she has no physical motor skills. If she sits in a position in a chair, uh, she's there because somebody put her there. And if her physical body moves like this, she can't move. She, has to, she just stays there until somebody sits her up. Uh, she literally can't do anything for herself uh, and generally mumbles uh, language and speech like that of a nine-month-old. Uh, it has just completely ravaged her life. But something in interesting, uh, uh, yesterday my mother was telling me that uh, this past week uh, there was a, a, a preacher at the rest home where she's at and... Uh, he was preaching, and I don't know what faith he was, but they said he was loud, so <laughs> that kind of rules some out, I suppose. But uh, and they could hear him, hear him down the hallways, and and he was just going after it, I guess. And he was just a preaching and and sharing the gospel news, and, and just out of nowhere, my aunt goes, Anthony, Anthony, it's my dad, Anthony. And one of the CNAs who happens to go to my father's church ran in there and said, Who are you wanting? She said, Anthony. She said, Well, who's Anthony? Well, that's my brother. Now, she hasn't known who her brother was for two years. That's my brother. And she said, Oh, really? And immediately she snapped out of it and went back into her Alzheimer's state. What's your point? My point this morning is never underestimate the power of the preached word of God. She recognized that. My father's been her pastor for 50 years. And she recognized the preaching. And the preaching made her memory recognize there was some Holy Ghost in there that said, hey, I reckon... I recognize what I'm hearing. Don't ever underestimate the word of God in your life. You need it. You need it. You need it. 
you, Jesus. We need the Word of God. We need to understand today Christian maturity. Because the Word of God is not always going to make you happy. Sometimes, I'm looking for something I can break and I can't find it. Sometimes the Word of God feels a lot like this. It feels like it just ripped you apart. I've always been taught that a broken bone is stronger when it grows back in the place of the break than it was before. The Word of God may break you. But you're going to be better when it's over. But not if you don't submit to it. I have knelt at altar services before and submitted. This wasn't easy. But if you'll allow me to just be an example this morning, I have knelt at altar services before and submitted to Word of God that was preached by people I didn't even like. If we're just going to be real with each other, I'm, I'm flesh too. Sister Craig, I didn't even like the person. But that didn't take away from the Word of God. Every aspect consumed. Difficult to think. Sometimes we just need to slow down and remember the Word of God. Because every choice you make matters. Job decisions matter. Home purchases matter. Relationships matter. Engagements matter. Marriage matters. And just because you're afraid you're going to be lonely doesn't make it the will of God. Marriage matters. God's got somebody for everybody. And if by chance He does it for you, then that's between you and Him. But that doesn't help you any to rush into something. Grab you any old polecat that walks by and say, this is the one. You'll be divorced in less than six months. Wondering where did I go wrong? Hear me clearly this morning and I feel the Holy Ghost. Refuse the counsel of your pastor and you will not be blessed. In any matter of life, pastor, do you think I need this job? And if he goes and prays and comes back and says no, and you take it anyway. Don't come back three months later saying, oh, what a mistake that was. He already knows it was a mistake. 
pastor, I've I've been talking to this person and I I think I'm, I'm ready to engage in a relationship. And he begins to caution you by the word of God. I said by the word of God. Because it does direct our life. It does give us guidance for everything you need. And he begins to caution you by the word of God. Be ye not unequally yoked. And you do it anyway. Amen. You are inviting trouble. Can it change? Yes, he's a merciful God. But rarer are the circumstances I've ever witnessed in my life that it's changed. Rebellion will never get you anywhere. Anything that is as the sin of witchcraft has a deep and dark meaning behind it. You you can get mad. And you can walk out and you can say, (laughs) that preacher's full of himself. I'm never going to listen to him. That's your prerogative. But, if you want to be blessed... Are you saying the blessings of God hinge upon my pastor? I am absolutely saying that. Because when you have a God-ordained man that has been set to teach you and guide you, his, his purpose and his job, our job collectively, any man's job that stands behind this sacred desk, is not to just tell you what feels good. Which means, which means there's going to be times that you hear things That you don't like. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's wrong. Hear me clearly. And on the flip side of that, just because you like something doesn't mean it's right. How many times have you heard, oh, I just love going there, they make you feel so good. Feeling good doesn't mean I'm saved. Now, let's not misunderstand one another. I don't think that being saved is a humdrum, sad Sam. It had nothing to do with you, Samantha. Frown on the face, walking through life with your shoulders sunk and your head dug down. What's the matter with you? I'm saved. I'm not suggesting that you can never feel good. Understand me this morning. But just the simple emotion of feeling good in and of itself doesn't mean that what you're feeling is right. So we have a choice to make. Because every choice we make matters. Naming and claiming something as the will of God may feel good, but it doesn't make it the will of God. And if you truly want to be in the will of God, there comes a time in your life that you have to kneel down and say, Nevertheless. the hardest statement you'll ever genuinely make when you want something so bad. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So we need to take time to think on some things that will strengthen and encourage our lives, our walk with God, knowing that sometimes that may be uncomfortable. There there was a, a blog posting titled The 100 Most Important Life Choices You'll Ever Make. And I, I, I browsed over this article and I thought it was very interesting uh, that the number one on the list 
the number one life choice, the number one most important life choice you'll ever make, number one on the list was who you spend your time with. There's a lot to be said for that. 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us, and I just quoted this a moment ago, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Verse number 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I declare to you this morning that this verse is about more than just intimate relationships. I do believe it is that. But I believe it goes much deeper in our life than just who you date and who you marry. It's how you spend your time. And who you spend your time with matters. You know the old cliche, you hang around dogs? Catch fleas. A lot of truth to that. Spend your time with liars. Soon you won't recognize the truth. Spend your time with gossipers. Soon you'll be telling their stories. Spend your time with self-righteous. Soon your personal holiness will be your guide. Uh, let, let me just interject here for just a moment. I, I, believe, I believe first and foremost holiness at the root has nothing to do with how we look. It starts in here. And I think biblically how we look is important. And I'm not taken away from that at all. But there is a whole lot more to it than that. We can have our skirts to the floor and our hair to the floor and our tongue matches it and we still be dirty. So we've got to get this mentality of righteousness has nothing to do with how I look because my righteousness is but as filthy rags. My purity has to start in the heart. My holiness has to start with my choices and my speech and where I go and where I don't go and what I do and what I watch and what I don't watch. My holiness is my lifestyle, not my dress code. I don't know anything about the show. And I, don't, I can't stand here and tell you I've taken a poll to see who does or does not watch it, but I can declare to you flat-footed this morning because I have flat feet that it would be improper for a Christian to view anything called pretty little liars. Why would you want to ingest something that Revelations 21 and 8 says shall have their part in a lake of fire? That's not entertainment. That's, that's, that's uh, flirting with the devil. I've never been one to preach against television. 
ever. I was raised that you have the control of the remote, just like your radio, and if you can't control it, you don't need it. Choices matter. But why in the world would we think that we apostolics are so powerful that we can do whatever we want and come to church and still get connected with God? There's some decisions we need to be making outside these doors a little differently. How you spend your time is a good thermometer reading on your walk with God. And if anybody knows me, they know I don't claim to be any spiritual giant. I have my days. I have my moments. And they're not pretty. Don't look at me with that condemning look. You, you do too. I don't pretend to walk around in the Spirit 24 hours a day. All right? But I do understand that even when I'm not in the Spirit, I need to have some discipline in my life that I know what to say yes to and what to say no to. I shouldn't have to feel Holy Ghost goosebumps on my spine to instruct me on every decision to make. That's why I need the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God so I can educate myself on what to say yes to, what to say no to, because I'm not going to walk in the Spirit every day. And when I'm not in the Spirit, I need to know how to say no. I believe we can get close enough to God that there's, there's times He leads us in our actions without us even feeling Him. And the premise for my, my belief in that is the Old Testament. Abram walked with God. Did not have the Holy Ghost. Moses walked with God. Heard from God. Did not have the Holy Ghost. Enoch walked with God so close did not have the Holy Ghost are you seeing a trend here you've got something that our Old Testament fathers never had but yet we lack in so much power because there's something we must not have that they did have And those were faith and just good, clear, honest, hard choices. This blog posting on the top 100 most important decisions in life. Number one, who you spend your time with. found that very, very intriguing, very powerful. Let me tell you what I found at the end of the list. Number 98 out of 100. Number 98 out of 100 was... What you do when someone else has made a mistake. We're talking about choices this morning. We're talking about thinking. Because thinking is something we really need to do. I found it interesting 
that on the bottom of the list is something that we often worry about but shouldn't give the time of day. It's often the top of our priority worrying about things that's none of our business. And here was prioritized way down. Just don't even worry about it. The mistakes people make get published on the front page headlines more often than what is done right. People love a good scoop. They love it. If you don't believe that, just go to the grocery store or Walmart and check out the magazines that's at the, the checkout aisle. Half of them are tabloids. Half of them are nothing but, but lies to make somebody look bad, and people love reading it. They promote propaganda, lies, and gossip, and it makes millions of dollars every year because some people are just waiting for someone else to fail. God forbid today that that attitude would creep into the church and into the hearts and minds of Christians that we enjoy what we hear. Just because you heard it doesn't mean it's right. Just because somebody's telling it doesn't mean it's the truth. I don't care how compelling it is. And just because you heard it doesn't mean you need to tell it. As a matter of fact, we should back up in the procedure just a little bit, a few steps, that before you listen to the whole thing, you should determine, is there any good going to come out of this? Can I influence this situation at all? And if you can't, your Christian responsibility should be to tell that person, Here's the difficulty. Because some of you before you got saved would tell somebody off in a heartbeat. And now that we're saved, we'll listen to anything. Our responsibility should be to say, hey, wait a second. Is, this, is me listening to this going to help me any? Or is there something I can do to help this situation? Well, no, no, I just wanted thought you should know. That thought you should know statement is the worst thing that you should ever listen to. That is a trick of the devil. It is a, a band-aid for gossip. I'm just teaching this morning. That I thought you should know statement is gauze and bleeding and band-aids for gossip. And at that point, that is a red flag for you to say, hey, I don't need to listen. Well, I don't want to make them mad. You need to make them mad. Not offended. But Jesus said there would be a sort. And there comes a time even in our own families we need to be telling our aunts and our uncles and our nephews and our cousins and our, our, our fathers, hey, wait a second. I don't think I need to be listening to this. Listen to me, blood family. I told you a long time ago I would preach stuff like this because I'm not blood related to anybody here but my son. All right? We got a lot of blood family in this church. Your blood relationship in your mind needs to stop at the back door. And when you come in here, you need to submit yourself to the man of God like he's an evangelist or a pastor from any other state. 
And when he says line up, line up. When he says go right, you go right. We need to be telling our family members, I don't need to listen to that. Well, what if they get mad at me? Then they get mad at you. There is a right and a wrong way to approach things. And you can very delicately and, and, and kindly say, you know what, I, I appreciate your interest in telling me, but I really don't think I can influence this situation any. Uh, just knowing that there is a problem tells me enough to know that to, to pray about it, but I don't need to know the details. They won't come back again. You've just snuffed out gossip. And God's pleased. Amen. Here's why we don't. Here's the core psychological reason as to why we don't often do that. There's a sense of power that is felt in knowing something. Hear me this morning. People often feel a sense of authority and power because, oh, you don't know what they did. But I do. And I could on the flip side say, oh, you don't know that it's right. Amen. It's good teaching, Brother Mason. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's getting a little cold in here, but I still feel the warmth of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tread out in, in waters here. I can swim. Power. We feel an entitlement. And then it feels good to let somebody else know how much you know. My wife and I have been teaching our son the element of private power. There's power in privacy. It was exercised in the word of God when David was anointed to be king. Because he didn't take the throne for another 20 years. He couldn't tell anybody that he was anointed to replace the man that was on the throne. Are you following me this morning? Just because God's anointed you for something today and you feel that the call of God to do something today doesn't mean that you need a pulpit right now. It may be for another day. Keep the calling. Stay faithful to God and submit to the instruction of the Word of God. But there's power in privacy. I know a whole lot of things in my line of work. As a, as a senior manager or department head, there's a whole lot of things about people that I come to know. Sister Craig, I can't discuss. Because if I do, all I'm going to do is create a world of problems. But there's power in privacy. There's power in knowing something and just going to God about it. As a matter of fact, I believe God is well pleased. I thought you should know. Red flag. Don't you leave here today with that in your mind. I thought you should. Red flag. So what should you do when someone else makes a mistake? Here's two approaches. Because it either has something to do with you or it don't. When someone else makes a mistake, it either has something to do with you or it doesn't. If it had something to do with you, this is magical. Are you ready? This is a prophetic word right here. Forgive. 
If it had nothing to do with you, forget about it. You don't need to know to begin with. I, I often have employees come to me complaining about other employees. Now, I'm, I'm new on the job right now where I'm at, so this hasn't happened, but this is my routine practice over the last decade or so. If I get someone, pastor, that comes into my office and, and they're, just, they're just fed up, they're frustrated. Of course I listen because I'm their boss the same as I am the other person. But, you know, they just don't carry their weight. We would be so much better off without them. My, my practice is right then I stop and say, okay, wait a second. Do you have a legitimate issue? Or is this just you don't like them? Let, let's get to the heart of the matter right here. And if it's just that they don't like them, I dismiss them. We end the conversation. I tell them there's nothing I can do about that. Learn to let your personalities get along. You don't have to like each other. Just work together. I don't care if you're friends or not. Just collect a paycheck and go home. But if there is a legitimate issue, something that they're breaking the law, it's harassment or they feel like they're being intimidated or something's going on, then I have to, by the law, dig into that. But this is what I tell them. At the end of the discussion, I tell them, okay, if this is how you feel and if this is what you say is going on, I want it in writing. Brother Fred, that, that weeds out 50% of them. Because if they're not, because most of the time is, well, now I don't want my name in it now. That's just the same type of band-aid as I thought you should know. I have found in my experience anybody that's willing to sign their name to the bottom of the page and declare this is what's going on, then they are genuinely telling you something that has some truth to it. Proverbs 23 and 12 says, Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. Not anybody else. But if you yourself just listen and don't do, the only person you're deceiving is yourself. So it would be relevant this morning to say that to be a doer of the word, it requires an action, which requires a choice, which requires us to think. Saying amen is great. I wish we would do more of it sometimes. But to say amen, acknowledging that you agree with what was said, and walk out and not follow it. is in vain. It's showmanship. I realize you might feel like this right now. I'm not trying to be critical this morning. But we need to understand some things. We've got to think. We've got to make right choices. Go ahead and say amen to the preaching. I, I, I didn't mean right now, but... Thank you. But when there's preaching going, we need a connection. I, I wish we could do it like the black church. The pastor's up here just going at, uh-huh. 
We need some feathers in our hats. We need some people to say, yeah. Come on now. If we really believe in this Holy Ghost salvation, we should get excited. And when there's exciting pre... I realize I'm not doing anything this morning to excite you. And I'm not trying to solicit a response, but I am trying to teach a good principle of connection this morning. When you're connecting with the Word of God and something's moving inside of you, say, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing wrong with standing on your feet, lifting your hands and saying, oh, thank you, Lord, I needed that. Yeah. We used to do it. A lot. I'm not trying to be critical this morning, just evaluating. Before we can improve, we've got to know where we're at. Because I have found in my walk with God some occasions where I've went through some things. And while I was coming out of it, I was quiet. I didn't amen as much. It wasn't that I didn't support, but there was just something that just stalled my fire, for lack of a better expression. Let me tell you something this morning. That didn't make it right. We need a connection. We need a connection. Because what happens when, when, when you connect with the preaching and you connect with the teaching, what happens is that lets the visitor next to you know. Whew, there's something to that. It gets a stirring in the atmosphere. And the man up here knows he's on target. And your neighbor knows they're on target. And it gets a moving of the Spirit of the Lord in the house. We need a connection. I'm not talking about preaching for response. I'm talking about when there's just good, solid preaching, we need a connection. When the anointing's in the house, it's not just the person in this five-foot diameter. It's everybody. Somebody say, yeah. Think. Smack your neighbor a high five again and tell them, think. I'm rushing to a close. Here are some things to think about. Some... I'm going, to, I'm going to rush through these quickly. They may be a little cliche, but that doesn't take their goodness away. Human connection is powerful. Human com- communication is powerful. You can build someone up or totally destroy them with your words. We need to think. The person is more important than the performance. Amen. Mercy rejoices against judgment. If you err, err on the side of mercy, not judgment. Because we're not supposed to be the judges to begin with. Everyone is not 100-fold, so temper your expectations. What are you saying? I'm saying don't expect the same from someone sitting next to you just because you did that. Everyone doesn't have the same gifts. Some walk at 5 miles an hour, some walk at 30. Guess what? They usually all get there at the same time. (laughs) 
Not every hill is worth dying on. So you don't always have to be right. Debate is useless. I have found in leadership specifically, sometimes it's more important for me to be wrong than it is right. Amen. I could spend another hour on that, but I won't. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We can't express that just by words. Everyone is worth saving, but no one is worth going to hell over. If you gain the whole world and lose your family, you still lose. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Preach redemptively, not condemningly. I think we do that. How can we say we want to spend an eternity with God and not give Him the time of day? How can we say we have a burden for the lost and not care about them when they get here? We need to be kind. We need to be holy. We need to be friendly. We need to be soul conscious, merciful. We need to be peacemakers. We need to be worshipers. Worship is a sacrifice. Doesn't come easy. You are going to be offended. But remember, you've also offended. Don't judge your being right with God just simply on church attendance. Although we do need church attendance. What purpose is it of winning an argument if you lose a friend? Don't promote your personal convictions. Know the difference. Understand the difference. Think before you tell somebody they're going to hell. If God's convicted you against short sleeves, He hasn't me. Now I'm going to wear the right length. And that's not up to my earlobes. All right? I'm not going to expose myself, but I'll, I'll, I'll derobe the long sleeves when it gets hot. But if God's convicted you against short sleeves and you think it's wrong, and it's wrong for you, that's fine. Keep that to yourself. You and God. Amen. Give people the benefit of the doubt. God created the world you live on, but you create the world you live in. So we've got to think. Speak life, not death. Always love. Love the brotherhood. Kiss your wife. Kiss your husband. Hold your children. Talk to kids. Pet your dog. Pray for your cat. Just a joke for those who know me. Always, 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 always. Did I say always? Always worship. I told you I'm hurrying to a close, and I am, but just a little sidebar here. Worship should not be restricted to our personal satisfaction. Well, I don't like that style. Maybe I don't either. 
I've told you before, we sing songs I don't even like. Not all the time, but it does happen. Why you do that? Because it's not about me. It's about him. And if you get accustomed to a certain style or a certain person, and we change things up on you, nobody pulled the rug out from under you. You can still worship. I'd love to see our younger generation worshiping to some older songs. But before we get too shouty about that, I'd also love to see our older generation worshiping to some modern songs. Let's bridge the gap. Let's think. Because I've noticed in the last six months when we have pulled out an old song that somebody's been begging us to do, the person begging didn't worship any more then than they do any other time. Come on now. So our worship really has nothing to do with the style. Our worship has to do with Him. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Never forget, it's not about you. Never hold a grudge. These are basics. We've got to think. Forgive. Forget. Serve. Go forward. Smile. And never Refuse a breath mint. <laughs> Would you stand with me this morning? What are you thinking today? Why don't we gather around this altar this morning, those of you that are willing... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.